Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mostly Soccer Podcast. My name is Michael J. Dalo, and today I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy, what today? I, I think I'm just Jimmy frustration. I feel like you've been that before. I, I well, I because I get frustrated a lot, Michael. <laughs> frustrated man. So, back to back games with no goals for City. So, uh, not fun. And I don't get to have Carabao this year. My favorite cup yeah. of all cups. My God, it feels like we've missed so much since the last time we recorded. This was just kind of an insane week slash weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is. It's like everything just cu- I what's the word? Cumulated into cumulated. this weekend. Cumulated. I don't think it's cumulated is not the word. Culminated. 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 those words. Culminated. Cul- culminated. It's not cumulated. It's no. not compilation. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not compilation. That's something else, Jimmy. Not that. Nope. Hey, it's no, not November. <laughs> <laughs> no, not November. A bang, baby. <laughs> no compilations today, baby. Only cumulative things that happened in the Premier League. <laughs> Good Lord. This is a soccer podcast, by the way. <laughs> and uh, to, to bounce off that note, I think we should just get into the action jimmy because there was so much soccer this weekend you don't uh, have any magic updates for us oh i don't know man i so i played last night and i played with one of our friends and uh, he was very angry it was stefano <laughs> he was oh. very mad because they're just getting beat down by me i'm getting too good oh he's very <laughs> angry boy he's another <laughs> frustrated Steph frustration yeah no kidding um but yeah, and aside from that, I mean, do you see that painting I have on the back of my wall? That, that's a nice painting. That's a nice right? painting. This is so, going to go over great in this audio form of media. I know. Well, it's for you. And this is a, a free plug for AuthenticAbstraction.com, which is a website that I have worked on for my brother and his buddy, uh, Brendan, who have started their own business doing paintings and custom poetry and paintings. So... It's pretty cool. Give it a look, Jimmy, after this. It's interesting. Um, yeah, send me the link. I will. And I created the website. So everyone go look and go buy everything. Um, and Can you hear you. the blower going on extremely loud over here? I hear it a little bit now. Okay. It's okay. It's not bad. So this is this podcast off to a great start today. Yeah. Yeah. No, not November compilations and Magic the Gathering slash art. Now we should get into the soccer, Jimmy. Yes. Let's let's just start off with the big one. It was the uh, managers on Thin Ice Derby. It was Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur. And this one, I think, went almost exactly as you would have thought, right? Mm, I guess. I mean, here's can I tell you why I say that? Why do you say that? Because the ideal bounce back game is always Tottenham Hotspur. And whenever Ole needs to win to save his job, he does it. It never fails. Well, that's right. See, I just thought he was going to do it in the City game. So I was waiting for him to lose this game. People would go really crazy. And then he was going to beat City like 4-0 and they would never fire him. I was ready for it. It was it was that type of week watching the uh, City Palace game for me. So I was I was fearing <laughs> it already. But yeah, this game um, was kind of a wild one. I mean, uh, an easy Easy win for Manchester United. Cristiano Ronaldo really took over this game. Had a goal, had an assist. Him and Edison Cavani, um, their link up was phenomenal. 
and uh, even a goal from Rashford late on where Tottenham's defense just completely collapsed. So throughout this game, the frustration of the Spurs fans just continued to mount and mount and just get to a level of toxic that the ownership could no longer ignore. Uh, And the fans, I think they forced Nuno out and it happened in the next couple of days. I think they did, but I, I still stand by the text I sent you, which is he became he was scapegoated by by the ownership group. I, I think it is the right move because I don't think he was the right fit for this job. I don't think his style of play is that any team striving to be in the top of the league really should be going for in this day and age. Um, but I mean this this guy barely this guy what do you have eight games, eight matches? Something in the league? Am I wrong? No, this was match day ten, so ten matches. Not not many of them good. And by the way, the leaf blower is getting even closer to you. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let's just take a minute to enjoy the leaf blower. <laughs> I mean, is this guy on top of you? <laughs> I hope people can hear this. Obviously, I they can hear it. I'm it's blasting in my ears. Everyone's gonna hear it. I th- the best, the best part is we're not cutting it. <laughs> Nuno's working for the landscaping company now. He doesn't like this talk. He's like, I'm just going to make it so loud. All right. We did have to cut a little bit of that because the landscapers actually entered Jimmy's window and started leaf blowing him, and he had to fight them off. <laughs> covered in leaves right now. And Jimmy's covered in leaves. He's actually recording from a pile of leaves, which is a first for this podcast, believe it or not. Uh, but yes. Uh, Nuno ends up being fired in the next coming days. Uh, Ole survives, keeps his job with a big win. And for now, in Spurs, they go out and they get the man that they originally hoped for in the summer, Antonio Conte. So, Jimmy, this is a terrifying move for the rest of the league. We all know that Antonio Conte is a proven winner um, and can make any team turnaround um it wins everywhere he goes what do you think this move does for tottenham hotspur so i'm gonna say the thing i said back when they signed jose Mourinho. i'm gonna say it now which is they will win silverware with antonio conte may not be this year maybe next year they will win something i do not believe they have a team capable of winning the league but i could see an fa cup or dare i dread the Carabao Cup being in the hands of Tottenham. <laughs> um, I, I think that they will win something with Conte. If they were to, say, end up in the, the uh, your, oh God, Europa League spot, I could totally see them winning the Europa League with Conte. I could see that. Like It, it makes so much sense to me. Um, I think he will win something there. But can I say, I think Manchester United may have won the battle, but they lost the war. They miss out on Conte. I I just think that they're going to look at this moment, whether it be the the end of this season or next year, and go, we could have had Conte. We made such a big mistake. I agree. Um, I think, honestly, part of the reason why Spurs did this is because they knew that Manchester United were very much in the race for Antonio Conte. Uh, And, you know, if Ole loses... This this week uh, in the Champions League, or if he's going to go get battered by Manchester City the next time they play, 
uh, in the Premier League, I, I think it was over for Ole. The rumor was that he had three matches, and I think Spurs, they they finally made the right move, and they acted quickly. They got rid of Nuno. Uh, I almost feel bad for Nuno a little bit because, I, I mean, uh, 10, 12 games, however many it's been at this point, uh, it, it's just it's a very small sample size. Spurs started off the season so well. He won manager of the month. And then, you know, a, a few months later, he's he's kicked to the curb. He's been canned. But that is the nature of the Premier League. Yeah, it's just it, it's harsh for him. It always I mean, we were shocked, if you remember, when he when he left Wolves. And then kind of more surprising, it kind of came out that, you know, they wanted to move on. And he wanted to, like, it was a mutual kind of departure, which I think kind of showed, you know, even Wolves were maybe kind of at their end of this system that he plays. So it was kind of an odd appointment. Obviously, we know it wasn't the priority for him to go there. It was like the seventh choice, really. Yeah. But it always was Conte. That's what they always wanted. Um, I'm shocked that he took this job at this time just because, like I said, the United job makes so much more sense for him. I think the player, obviously, I think he has better players. You'd have better players at United. You'd have the funding, which is such a big thing with Conte. I mean, he's because not not that he just buys players, but he he moves a lot of players. It's a lot of buying and a lot of selling, mm-hmm. which we know that Tottenham and Daniel Levy are a team that, you know, are they're penny pinchers. They don't want to let players go for if they don't meet their valuation. That's going to be a problem if Conte is expecting to bring in five, six, seven players. You need to have players moved out. Yeah. So I, I wonder what this also means for Harry Kane. Um, because I, I think, like, as a prototype striker, Harry Kane is the almost ideal uh, replacement for Lukaku for Antonio Conte, who an- Antonio Conte made this uh, beast at Inter Milan. And uh, if he can revive Harry Kane, I wonder. I wonder if that's the plan, really. Is it to try and revive him and sell him? Or is it just to try and revive him and hang on to him? Well, I think it's probably to hang on to him. I can't imagine Conte's going there if he's told Harry Kane's going to leave. Unless he's told, we're going to sell Harry Kane and you're going to get this money. Right, those are the two. Yeah, but I think he plans to utilize him. I think, again, I, I will say I want to talk about Harry Kane a little bit in this game and say that this game was the first time, like, we've joked about him being bad and one goal. Like, we talked about it a lot last week. But this game was a game where he looked bad. Like, he had that chance to break away, and he just looked so, not only slow, like, he's looked slow since the years. Like, he was never fast, never re- renowned for his pace. But he looked slow now, but he also looked indecisive in this game yeah. at moments, which is something I don't think I've ever seen from Harry Kane. So... I, I do think Conte will get a lot better out of him than Nuno did. Um, I I think you're going to see. I actually think someone who I think is going to thrive on the Conte is going to be Regulon. Um, mm. Conte, who has always been able to really use attacking fullbacks, he's a player who I, I really like. I think has a lot of talent, but just is a bit raw. And I, yep. I think this will be a good chance for Conte to really use him. Maybe the same thing with someone like Emerson, who I personally have not been impressed with so far this season. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's talent there. There's talent on this team. Conte's going to get a lot more out of them. I just don't know if it's if this team has enough to, for him to like win the league. Like, and that's what you expect when you bring Conte in. Like, you bring him in to win. 
I don't know if I see it. Yeah, uh, I think it's um, regardless of if they have the talent or not, it's the right appointment. Like if if you're a fan, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's the right appointment. Um, where where fans of rival clubs and you and I are now uh, concerned about Tottenham. So mm-hmm. it's the right thing. Uh, I do think they're going to turn it around under Conte pretty quickly. Um, this guy doesn't mess around. I wonder what happens with Deli Ali. Killed him. I, <laughs> he <laughs> is going to kill Deli Ali instantly. Uh, that will be his first order of business when he gets on the uh, training field. <laughs> but anyways, Jimmy, where should we go next? Should we go to your boys, Manchester City nil, Crystal Palace oh, two? Thank you. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Started off. Make me really happy. Upset of the week, Jimmy. I predicted that Palace would get something out of this one. You did. Uh, they they always seem to give City a problem. And they certainly did this match. So, Jimmy, why don't you tell us what happened? Well, so it doesn't start off well for City, giving up a pretty uh, an unfortunate goal to Zaha. Not great goalkeeping by Ederson, who really hasn't been his best really all season. Um, And then from there on out, you knew Palace was going to drop back. And they did. And they frustrated City and they frustrated City. But City created a lot, uh, some good, solid chances in the first half and ability to really execute on them. And the whole game really relies on two moments, which is right before halftime, Imeric Laporte gets a red card for bringing down Zaha which I agree is a red card. But here's what I want to say. It is a red card if you are going to be consistent. This exact play happened <laughs> earlier in the morning with Johnny yeah. Evans on Obama Yang. It was a yellow card. It happened earlier in the morning, only worse, because yes. Johnny Evans literally body slammed Obama Yang, yes. and nothing so fucking happened. The exact play, and he gets a yellow, and then this yep. is a red. Yep. Just Bizarre. Ancient- Inconsistency with refereeing is in, is something that this league drives me absolutely crazy with. Both the, should the be worst, a red. Worst officiating in, in the world, yeah. I think. Bar none. Both should be a red. But if you do not call the first one a red the same day, then this should have been a yellow as well. Yep, I agree. There, There's no consistency. Both are bang on reds. It's so easy. And they just don't, they don't give it. And then the second <laughs> or, moment... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, or they did give it in the Arsenal game. Or they yeah. didn't give it in the Arsenal yeah. game, and they did in the City yeah. game. And then the second turning point of the game, early on in the second half, City score uh, off a nice play by Phil Foden. Gabriel Jesus puts it in the back of the net, and we go back in time to the <laughs> stupidity of judging if somebody's toenail was offsides. Yeah. Did you see this one, Michael? I did. Like- I did. It's... It's not offsides for me. Uh, I think it was, who was it, Grealish running in the center or something who was clearly off? But that doesn't matter. Yeah, he Uh, he was nowhere involved in the play. So if you look at it, I think people mistake, like seeing it online, think that that's what's called offside because he was clearly off. He has no impact on the play. It's Foden who's called off where, one, I've yet to see an angle that convinces me he's off. And the one thing where they say this is him off, if it is, it's it's literally like less than a millimeter. There's like, you, yeah, it's, it's like his the, knee is sticking over. Yeah, it's like we're we're just. I thought we got away from that. I thought we were doing better this year, and now it's like we, that play comes back again, and it, it changed the whole game. City at that point were flying. They if they score that goal, I think they go on to win this game, even with ten men. No doubt in my mind, they win the game. 
once that's back, called back, they just they can't recover. And then Conor Gallagher, who had a great match again, someone who's been one of the breakthrough players of the season, uh, puts it in the back of the net for Palace, and Patrick Vieira returns to Manchester to get a win. Yeah. Uh, we, we've said it a few times every time we've talked about Palace. We just keep saying how impressive they are under Vieira. I mean, talk about the perfect managerial appointment for them. He has that team playing so well. And, I mean, it always felt like with Palace that they're they're like a well-organized team. Even under Roy Hodgson, they were for a while. Um, but Wilfred Zaha just is always a menace. I don't understand how no one has bought Wilfred Zaha. Even if he costs like 50, 60 million, he's just so good. Every time I watch Zaha play, he's annoying, but he's so good. I was going to uh, say, he's got a little bit of that Richarlison, Yerry Mina type of bit to him, too. He does. He definitely does. Um, but I think like the Yeramina Richarlison thing is like, it's just like an act almost. Mm-hmm. And they always have the pouty face. Zaha is like actually angry when he plays. He plays angry, which he I does don't play angry. I, I agree with that he is a bit of a diver and a bit uh, of a pest on the field, but he is a very, very good player. Consistently and, good. Exactly. And, and Gallagher, like you said, has been a stud this season. Uh, and, and Palace are, are doing all the right things. I mean, they sign Edward and uh, who's the other guy? I can't think of his name. Elise. Olise has Elise, been excellent this season. Who looked too, very good time. when he came on. Almost yeah. created a goal in a minute. Like As soon as he came on, he, he looked very good. Yeah, and he got the assist to Gallagher at the end. So, yep. uh, I mean, Palace are doing all the right things. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Vieira. But a very tough loss for City. Yeah. Can I say one thing, too, just on the Gallagher note? How many of these Chelsea Loney players are there? I feel like every time there's, like, this good breakthrough young player, they either are on loan from Chelsea or the team has just bought them from Chelsea's Youth Academy. Like, it's crazy how it's a factory over there. It really is. Yeah, it doesn't just feel like that. Every player on loan who's playing well is from Chelsea. It's just that's the fact. They are on loan from Chelsea. <laughs> uh, it is crazy. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy, what do you think this game does for City's title hopes? Anything or not that big of a so deal this early? They they got lucky that I think that probably the next match we'll talk about, or if not, one of the ones we're going to talk about today, that Liverpool also dropped points. And realistically, we're very close to losing themselves. Um, so they got lucky with that. I mean, Chelsea now pulls five points ahead of City, so that's challenging. If anything, I mean, this should it, it won't. This the last two matches, this and the Carabao Cup game, should make City realize that they really do need a striker. Like, I, I mean, we can say it all we want, but it's like sometimes you watch these games and it's like Phil Foden had one point where he put in this perfect ball across the face of goal and there was not one player within the six yard box it just would have been a tapping um and there's just no one there because they don't have a they don't have a natural striker on this team um and i don't think they're gonna buy one in january i think it will probably be the reason that they fail this year to be able to win a win the competitions they have a chance to because they're such a good team Mm. and when you watch them like the first half they had against brighton it's incredible to watch. And even in this game, they had moments where they played so well, but you just lack that a pure finisher. You just lack someone who just puts the ball in the net. You can't always walk it in. And it's just becoming increasingly challenging. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's only so many times we can say, and everyone in the world can say that City need a striker. It's just, 
it becomes more apparent each week that they go without a goal. Uh, so, yeah, tough loss. But, again, congratulations to Crystal Palace. That's a huge win. Uh, and speaking of huge wins, unless you have something else to add to the City game, uh, I am going to move over to Leicester nil, Arsenal 2 in what was just a phenomenal performance by Arsenal. Uh, we started the game off hot, hot, hot. Uh, Bakayo Saka almost created a goal within, I think, 45 seconds. And then from there, only a few minutes later, Gabriel puts in a header from a corner kick in the fifth minute. And Arsenal were in complete control. Uh, and then shortly after, about 10 minutes, Emil Smith-Rowe comes in, scores. Uh, what an absolute stud he is. And uh, Arsenal, they they took some... They took some pressure. Aaron Ramsdale made some incredible saves. Uh, incredible with 10 exclamation points. Um, one of the best saves of the season, a double save off a of James Madison free kick, which just kind of blew everyone's mind. Um, and then he continued to to make big saves in the second half. Harvey Barnes uh, blasted one into his chest from close. And Arsenal hang on. And they keep a clean sheet away from home against a very tough team. Ramsdale's incredible. What a sign. The, the best goalie in the league right now. It's what out of signing. control. <laughs> it's so crazy. He's like uh, like a 10 out of 10 phenomenal. Like can't can't be scored on. Yeah. I mean, he he was phenomenal in this game. Uh, Lester's defense at the start of this game were oh, so bad. So, so bad. Which I have to say, this is... Can I call one player out? This is a player I've never understood. Continues to play for a team like Leicester, a good team, which is Amarte. That man has been <laughs> bad every single game I've ever seen him play. And he continues to play. Uh, I just don't get it. Um, this could have been so much worse for Leicester if the Johnny Evans call was called correctly. A man who should have already been on a yellow card anyway for trying to take out on Ramsdale when he did as well. So even yeah. that could have sent him off. If it wasn't a straight red, it should have been a red anyway. Um, Leicester created chances. They had opportunities in this game. But I, I was very impressed with Arsenal yet again. I do want to say I'm I'm a little shocked by the change in system. Being like, you think Arteta being from the Pep Guardiola coaching school would be a possession-based manager, but it seems like their, their wins lately have been in games where they don't, don't have the ball as much. And um, I, I think that it's working for them. And I've been very pleasantly surprised with the turnaround from Arsenal after they started the year with the inability to score a single goal. Um, I, I think they look a really impressive side over the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't hear any complaints from me, which is uh, a very difficult thing uh, to, to not hear from me. And Arsenal, they move up to sixth place, tied with Manchester United on 17 points. They're three points outside the top four. They're three points off Manchester City. Uh, It's honestly an insane turnaround from them not winning a game the entire month of August. Uh, And it looked like it was all doom and gloom. Uh, I was Mikel Arteta out, and something wasn't working back then. I know it was that they weren't healthy. These players hadn't played much together. Um, and now that they're basically all healthy, bar Granite Jaka, things are really seeming to to click. And I want to say, oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say, and it helps that we have some players who are playing out of their mind right now, like Ramsdale and Smith Rowe. 
Well, I think there's one other player who I think is playing the best he's played in an Arsenal shirt. Gabriel? Nope, which is Lacazette. Well, yeah. There's new, new Lacazette, which we talked about it last week, where it's he's almost not really a striker. He's almost kind of playing as like a false nine or as a 10 in a way. Has kind of It's brought the best out of him. It's a different player than the player Arsenal originally signed, for sure. But I've been so impressed with him. I think he's a driving force in this team. Just his hunger, his desire. I, I, I really think he's a big part of the change. And the fact yeah. that for the first time, maybe in his whole time at Arsenal, he's playing consistently. He's always been so in and out of the team for years since he's been there. I, I just think he he's really, really impressed me. Smith Rowe's great. Smith Rowe is someone I, I, I think we I talked about him last year when he first came in, how impressed I was with him. And I, I mean, I know you love him, obviously. And I, I he continues to just be on fire. But I think Lacazette really has been the player of the season for Arsenal for me, at least. Yeah, I, I think these this past month he's been definitely up there. He's been unbelievable. Um, lack of sweat lately. He's playing for that. <laughs> he, I don't think he's playing for a contract. The rumor is that he's playing to move someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was probably the hesitancy to actually play Lacazette to start with at the beginning of the season because there is that uh, contract tension there. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, he, he's been great. I think Ben White and Gabrielle are a really strong partnership. Um, I think for what Ben White lacks defensively, Gabrielle can compensate for a little bit. And what Gabrielle lacks in the passing department and dribbling, Ben White makes up for. Um, Tomiyasu continues to just be solid every match. And uh, another thing that Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, and Adu deserve a lot of credit for is bringing in a very strong backup for Kieran Tierney in Nuno Tavares. Uh, he's played the past two matches, and in both of those games, I think he's been excellent. And it, yep. it's a big, big signing because last season, when Tierney was out, which is almost every other week, it feels like, uh, we had no one to replace him. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a really, it's a under-the-radar move that they deserve a lot of credit for. I agree with that. I actually yeah. think... But to your point, like this, the fullback signings and the signing of Ramsdale, even which people I think anybody saw these as starting like players that were going to start for Arsenal have a big impact. I think all three have been very, very, very good. Yeah. And we did get a question about Arsenal from awesome men Emir on Twitter. OK. Uh, and he said, did Arsenal move from bad to OK or bad to good? <laughs> What do you think? Well, I want you to answer that. It's difficult. Um, I've been impressed with them lately. I haven't been like, oh my God, we can beat anyone. I think there are still a lot of bumps in the road for this team. I said it last week. I'm doing my best to cool it on being uh, so up and down. This is a very young team. They're going to lose matches that they're not supposed to. They might even win some that they're not supposed to. Um I think they moved from bad to a little bit better than okay. They were at an F to start the season, and now I think they're at a solid B. Okay. I I think I agree with that. Um, This weekend, they have a match they have to win, especially with the the international break coming up after this week. Have to go into the international break strong. They come out of the break playing Liverpool, which is going to be a real test. But. It would be very Arsenal to have this good run and go into the break by losing to Wofford. So I, I this is to me, it's a very important match. 
Yeah, um, I, I do think they'll go into the international break having beat Watford, even though Watford have looked decent uh, the past few weeks. Uh, but one thing I want to mention was you, you talked about Mikel Arteta, you know, changing the system a little bit to have the ball less. So what, if you remember, when Mikel Arteta first came in, Arsenal played almost strictly on the counter. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah. So maybe he had the realization that, oh, this thing won me the FA Cup. It won me multiple games against teams that were much better than my club. Now I have better players. Maybe I should play the counter a little bit. Don't need yeah. possession for possession's sake with this team. It's working. Just saying. It's, it's working. working. <laughs> Doesn't take a genius to figure it out. I I think there is always uh, like that ego when you're a manager at that level. Like, this is my system. This is how I do it. It's going to work. I think you need to be a little bit flexible. And thankfully, Mikel and his staff look like they've turned a corner a little bit. Not going to jump out of my seat and say that we're going to win the league or make top four yet, but it's going in the right direction. So very happy there. Um, just an honorable mention. We're not going to talk about this game, but I just want to say Burnley put three past Brentford. Uh, we did not see that coming, did we, Jimmy? No, I did not see that <laughs> happening. I mean, we did say that, like, we, we're just not counting Burnley out yet just no. because it, you just can't. I mean, it feels like... Every other season, they have one of the seasons where they hang near the bottom and they survive. And then the next year, they'll be decent again. And it, it's it's a cycle. Yeah. And um, another game that we're not going to talk about, but I do want to mention and ask you a question, is Newcastle nil, Chelsea 3. So Newcastle currently sit in 19th place on four points. They have zero wins on the season. And to escape the relegation zone at this point, you already need 10 points. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's Leeds, Watford, Villa uh, are all down there just above the relegation zone. Chelsea sit 25 points. They're top of the table. They're in phenomenal form. Um, Look like the favorite. But I want to talk about Newcastle. The rumor is that Unai Emery is their their guy and that they're pushing hard to make him their new manager. So two things. Do they get Unai Emery and is it a good move? And can they really escape relegation? It's starting to get to a point where it's like you have to start winning games. So to address the first question, I don't I think they do get Emery. I'm going to say I think they do. And I think it's a good hire. I agree. I think he's a good manager. I really do. I think the situation at Arsenal did not work out. Um, nor did it really at PSG. Um, though he did better at PSG than people remember. I think right. if they were to look back, um, I, I think he's done very well at Villarreal. Um, and I, I think he'd be a good manager in terms of them. The second question about relegation, I've joked about it and all this. My question would be this. They can make moves in January. That's what I think needs to be like brought light to this. Like, if this continues, the the simple fact is there are also other bad teams in the league. Like, like you also, so they're sitting on four points. You have Burnley on seven, Leeds, Watford, and Villa on 10, and Southampton on 11. Like, not all of those teams are going to be able to pick up more points during this period. If they stay within two to three games of being out of the relegation zone, moves in January may be enough to get them out of it. 
I, I, I'm not like I'd be shocked. I, I don't know if I'd be shocked because this team is playing so poorly, but there's talent there already. And I, I just I think they're going to escape. I stand by it. I think they will escape. And it may be just because they make moves in January. And these are not going to be like we're not talking like crazy superstar moves. But I think the moves they need to make in January are moves to solidify this team. Um, and I think they'll find ways to do that. I don't know. I think it's just hard. I do think they will get Emery because I think they can just get whatever they want. Realistically, they can pay whatever they want so they can get whoever they want. And that's a huge managerial managerial appointment for them. Managerial. They, managerial. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> um, good evening. The managerial appointment uh, of Unai Emery would be huge. Um, and I, I do think he'll have an effect on them. I do think it will be positive. But I just like who's going to be the first one to come to Newcastle? What talent brings them out of this relegation zone? And I know you said there's there's other bad teams in the league. But like, do you really expect Villa to stay down there? Do you expect Leeds to stay down there? Like Watford and Southampton, I could see. And Burnley, like, do we expect Burnley to really be in that relegation fight all season? It's it's tough. This is a very tough season. There are there are no real bad teams except Norwich. <laughs> yeah, Norwich bad. are straight up junk. But the rest of them are are very capable of winning matches against almost anyone. I, I agree. I just think, like I said, I think there's talent on this Newcastle team. I think getting a new manager in will be key. I think if they can get Dubrovka back, who was on the bench for this match as well, I think people forget how good of a goalkeeper he's been. Um but not that Darlow's terrible, but I just think bringing him in will also help solidify that defense. Um, I, I I don't know. I I think they will find a way out. All right. And again, maybe it's some shady calls that go their way. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Hey, I wouldn't put it past this league. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, let's move on to Liverpool 2, Brighton 2. Liverpool take the lead early on through a Henderson uh, phenomenal goal. Mane scores shortly after on a great cross in the box from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And it looked like it was all over before halftime. Mane even put a third in, but it turns out it hit his arm and was varred off. Uh, Correct decision, I think. But it wasn't to be, Jimmy, because Brighton never quit. And you know that (laughs) after they played City last week. But Brighton come back. They score a phenomenal goal through Mwepu who puts it over the head of Allison from uh, side of the box, which is unbelievable. And then Trossard scores to level it in the 65th through a phenomenal play throughout the entire Brighton team. Jimmy, that's a big loss for Liverpool and a big win for Brighton, a big tie for Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. um, Brighton could have won this game too, if not for a marginal offside, which was offside this time. This time it was the right call, but could have won this game. I will say, Graham Potter, Whatever you're doing at halftime, maybe, just maybe, do it before the game. Like, like, this is back-to-back matches where this looks like a completely different team in the first half and second half. The team that played in the first half against City and Liverpool is a relegation team. The team that played in the second half is a team that could be competing to win the league. Like, it's that, like, big of a difference. It's crazy to me. Um, Brighton are a good team. Like, they're a good team. They have talent. They're not afraid of anyone. 
They come at teams. They don't play overly defensive, but they also don't get themselves in too much trouble and attack. They have a good balance. Um, Liverpool, a phenomenal team. Liverpool had chances that they could have won this game. They had a goal that came back because of a handball. Like They dominated the first half. But much like the City game, Brighton really came out of halftime a different team. So I don't know if it's you know good skill by Potter to be able to adapt to what he's seeing on the field. But I mean, the thing that the reason why it's confusing to me is like, you know, what's going to be on the field when you play Liverpool, just like you knew what was going to be on the field when you played City. You know how they're going to play. So I don't know what explains the crazy second half turnarounds for this team, but um, they've been very, very good. Yeah. Um, And Mo Salah didn't score this game, so he's not going to break Jamie Vardy's record after all. Uh, I was low key watching for that. I think everyone was a little bit, uh, but he did get an assist early on. And um, I'll, I'll just, I'll echo what you said. Brighton are a good team. I just wonder where they're going to finish. And that's that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. Where where do you think they are? Are they going to challenge for Europa League? Um, I don't think, I don't think they're going to challenge for Europa League. I so I think they'll challenge, but um, I think that they are going to finish right about where they are now, which is eighth. I think seventh is the highest they could finish. I think they're more likely to finish eight or nine. Yeah. Maybe they'll um they'll be in the Tottenham Cup. What is it? The UEFA Super League or whatever it's called. The conference league. The NIT bracket. That's where they could end up, potentially. Um and one last honorable mention before we hit our final game that we're gonna talk about is Everton. And let me see. I just had it. I just had it because I wanted to talk about it. Where are they? Oh, yesterday. That's when they played. I was looking on the weekend. Uh, They lost to Wolves 2-1. And I watched the first half of this game. And what I wanted to just mention here was that Wolves are actually a fun team. I really like watching Wolves again. Uh, They've started to come into their their own. And uh, Huangi Chan, our boy, the bull, is phenomenal. He is absolutely phenomenal. He scored a goal, was called off, unfortunately. Um, but he's looked great in every match he's played for Wolves. And Everton just continue to look like, I don't even know. Their their back line is just shambolic. That's what they're I bad. wanted to mention. They're bad. They're, their defense is bad. They they need work. Give they Rafa time, work. but they need work. Yeah. Um, and then we can move on to our final match. Let's see what that is. I know it. It's Villa 1, West Ham 4, where we had West Ham just absolutely obliterate Aston Villa in the second half. Um, And they started off early, too. They had a goal through Ben Johnson uh, in the seventh minute that Emmy Martinez probably should have saved. And then Ollie Watkins scored one in the 34th minute to level it. And then from there, it just became all West Ham. Declan Rice scored in the 38th minute off another one where I thought Emmy Martinez probably should have gotten something on it. And then we had our third of the week, the controversial call of the denial of a clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity. Consa is given a straight red card after a VAR review for taking down Jared Bowen. Uh, Jimmy, did you see that one? I did. This was the least clear of the three, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a bad call, 
I do think it's questionable that they changed it, went from a yellow to a red. I, I always have a problem with that when it's not a blatant mistake. I don't know if I saw a blatant mistake, but I don't necessarily disagree with it being a red. Like, I'm not 100% against it. I just, like, it wasn't as bad as the other two. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and it changed the game because after that, it took West Ham a while to get going, but they they, they created a lot of chances and they, they finished off Villa after yeah. that with Fornals getting a goal and, and Bowen. Um, it was also a bit of a scrum in this game, which I enjoyed, um, which started with Fanals getting fouled. And John McGinn, for whatever reason, decided to stand over him, and Jared Boeing decided to throw <laughs> him to the ground. It, it was a fun yeah. match. This was a very fun one. West Ham continued to be one of my favorite teams in the league. Yeah, and Mikel Antonio didn't get on the score sheet this game, but he just dominated that Villa back line. On uh, one of these goals, I think it was the third one that Fornals scored, he just absolutely bodied Matt Target, who is just, again, having a rough, rough go of it and uh, headed the ball on. And, and West Ham, they end up scoring. But anyways, Jimmy, uh, West Ham, they're in the top four right now. The question I have for you about this game is, do West Ham have a chance to make the Champions League? Do you believe in West Ham? Oh, don't write it that way. I believe in West Ham, but no, they're not going to make the Champions League. The Europa League? Yes. Okay. All right. I think I agree with that. And the other question I have is, Villa are off to a very bad start. They don't look like the Villa of the past. I know they lost Jack Grealish. Big loss. But where do you realistically see them finishing? They're not going to get relegated. Because they're better than these relegated teams. They're going to finish in the 13. They're going to finish in the 13 to 16 range, in my opinion. All right, dramatic pause. <laughs> Figuring out what I comes to look, after 13. I was literally looking at the table as I saw it, because I'm like, wow, they're in 15. But they will finish, I think, no higher than 12 and no lower than where they are now at 15. All right, fair enough. But anyways, Jimmy, let's get into our predictions. And we start off Friday with Southampton versus Villa. Who do you got in this one? I'm going to go with Villa to win. 2-1 Villa. Yeah, I'll follow you on that 2-1 as well. And then Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m., we have a good one. We have Manchester United versus City. Who do you have here? City are going to win this game. We're not going to lose to those evil United people. It's going to be 3-1 Manchester City. Ooh, it's tough. This is tough. Um, I don't know. City looked pretty bad against Palace. I'll um, I'll go two one City. I think they'll scrape it out. Brentford versus Norwich. Brentford three 0 Oh, I was gonna say three 0 as well. I'll follow you there. Chelsea Burnley. Chelsea two one. They Are eke there... this one out. I think Chelsea win five nil. Uh, Palace versus Wolves. This is a good match. I have to go with Palace, but part of me is like saying draw, draw, draw. But I'm going to go 2-1 Palace, but the Bulls going to score again because the Bull is awesome. Yeah, I think both of these teams do love a draw. Palace did their best to draw against City, um, but luckily for them, VAR helped them out. Uh, I'll go 2-2 here. I think this will be a fun game, though. Brighton and Newcastle. 2-1 Brighton. 
I'll go three one Brighton. Uh, and then on Sunday we have Arsenal Watford. Arsenal four one. Wow, four goals I love for the that. Arsenal. I love to hear that, Jimmy. I'll go three one Arsenal. Uh, and then Everton Tottenham. This is a good one. A good game like for Antonio Conte. Tottenham win two 0 Mm, it's tough. I mean, Everton have been exceptionally bad. I think I'll follow you. I'll, I'll but I'll go two one Tottenham. Leeds and Leicester. This is the battle of the two underachievers, <laughs> and I think Leicester win two one. <laughs> yeah, we had, we didn't talk about Leeds this week, but Leeds looked pretty poor against Norwich, which I think says a lot. Uh, I'll go three one Leicester. And then this is a phenomenal matchup. At 11.30 on Sunday, we have West Ham and Liverpool. I'm looking forward to this one. I actually have Liverpool taking their first defeat of the season. 2-1 West Ham, Mikel Antonio, 85th minute goal. Wow. I I don't see it. I think West Ham are going to win a lot of very difficult games, but I don't know if they're going to come out and beat Liverpool even at home. Um, I'll go three, one Liverpool. I think Liverpool are going to handle them. But anyways, Jimmy, that is it for that match week. And then after that, like you said, we go into an international break, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we'll be back after that. But anyways, Jimmy, before we go, do you want to hit them with the plugs? Yes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at soccer. Mostly we, we really like hearing from people and interacting. Um, not just during the game. So reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on if Conte is going to win a trophy at Spurs. Uh, <laughs> you can also email us mostly soccer show at gmail.com. And we appreciate five star reviews on Apple podcast. They really do help a lot. Yes. And sorry if you've heard me cough throughout this podcast. I have a cold. Sorry for Jimmy's leaf blower. I was going to I don't apologize <laughs> for the leaf blower. That was Nuno. He did not want to be disrespected. That's true. Uh, and as always, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.